obsesionado con mi boca habla sin respirar despacio te digo porque nos falta un tiempo más para pasear este país nublado este país nublado para pasear este país nublado este país nublado Welcome to another episode of Songmas. My name is Richard Villegas. Y bueno, estamos reportando en vivo from Santo Domingo. I, I, I'm so used to doing this in Spanish. I just, you know, we're doing an English episode today, guys. Um, uh, right now, we're listening to a song by Helado Negro. It's called País Nublado. Um, and uh, we're going to play that out. And we'll be right back with a very special guest. Shouting all the things we're about to do. And we'll take our turn And we'll take our time Knowing that we'll be here long after you Para pasear este país nublado Este país nublado Para pasear este país nublado, este país nublado. Sitting across from me, eating very healthy, unexpectedly healthy for a crazy Sunday morning. Um, I've got Roberto Carlos Lang, aka uh, Helado Negro. How's it going? Welcome to Songless. Hi, Richard. <laughs> I'm just trying to impress you with this food. <laughs> uh, I want to shout out so many people right now who have made this happen. I think maybe like I got to shout out PB Smolin, who I feel like has been a, a, a middle, a, a middle. 
woman between us for years and our like conduit. our conduit yes and I know she's gonna be tuning in so shout out to her but I've been I've been dying to have you on this show for a minute I knew so song mess right now is in the midst of doing a whole Ecuador series and I knew from the beginning that you were gonna be a part of it I was just like I just need to make this happen and I wanted to do it in person uh, after, you know around your set at, at Isle of Light I knew I didn't want to do it at the festival because I didn't want to feel rushed you know I really wanted to take you to the park where they blast Dembo at like you know 10 p.m. and I was like I want to interview the chillest guy in history at the most chaotic place in history I was like that was my fantasy but here we are over breakfast um, but I'm gonna give you the mic for a minute so for the listeners at home the two people who may not know who Elado Negro is who are you and what is it that you do I'm yeah I'm Elado Negro I'm, my name is Roberto Carlos Lange and I attempt at making these these songs these this musical world that's mine yeah that's what I do I um it's I was listening to I got here super early because <laughs> life and also I'm used to Santo Domingo traffic and Sunday morning there is none um, and so I was having a coffee feeling crazy hungover listening to your last album Far In and I was just like this is the closest to like morning meditation or Sunday mass that I'm gonna get to in a while and it's just like it's your own world it's I mean I was even reading a bit of the bio for Far In and it's just like it's about creating worlds no I mean that's very much your gig I think it's just like it's about inviting us into El Lado Negro I guess El Lado Oscuro yeah <laughs> yeah uh, I think that's I think the thing that I kind of live by is like um, I think something that occurred to me pretty early on in my career or whatever whatever I'm doing now um, <laughs> living living something that I thought about which was like I need to make things I can grow old with mm. and thinking about that a lot in the sense that like regrets and I was like well it's not that I'm not going to regret certain decisions with the music that I make but it would be nice to know that the things that I made aged well with me and I'm not like, ooh, this is like some like a really bad decision when I was like young, and I, yeah. I can't believe it's a part of like this this uh, thread, you know. And I, and and I think that's, I think when I think about my world, I think about that. I I saw Madonna perform in 2016, and I I Madam X. Well, uh, that was no, what was that? That was Re the Rebel Heart tour. Oh yeah. Um, uh, no, but she was she played True Blue, and. You know, she introduced it by saying, she's like, you know, I wrote the song when I was in my 20s and I'm, you know, in my 60s now. And it's just like, it's such a young, almost juvenile, very naive song. And she's like, I've had to, I have to adapt it. You know, she's like, I wrote these songs. I don't, you know, speaking of regret and growing old with them, she's like, I've just had to evolve them. And I think that I feel like that's a very important and mature aspect of, of an artist's life I mean as you said growing old with with this work I feel like I can see a progression uh, through your work I mean growth is definitely a part of it I think you know this about me I've struggled with your music I, I like tempo I like I like upbeat <laughs> shit da 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 and I think there's a you know I think saying that something is boring is reductive I think it's subtle um, and I think there's a big difference between subtlety and restraint. And I was listening to Far In, and like there's these grooves. It's just like, I know that you can make a dance song. I know you don't want to, and that's that's different. So I'm like, I'm I'm curious about that that dichotomy, subtle versus restraint. Like, where do you inhabit that space? That's a great question. Um, I I love dance music. I grew up. Mm -hmm. listening to dance music I grew up going to raves when I was little in Miami and Fort Lauderdale and mm -hmm. so it's not it's a huge part of my life I think just as like I think about that music I think about um, music from Latin America that's in my life that's always been in my life and I never wanted to be like uh, so directly referential to be like well, I'm gonna make this the song that has like a very specific cumbia beat or something mm -hmm. like that and everybody's like, oh, this is like an electro cumbia or something. And I was like, nah, I don't want that. I want this shit to be me. I want it to be my world. Yeah. And so in the sense of like being very literal with dance music or something that's very direct, I've always like taken on the task to see how I could um, uh, 
what's the word um undermine it i think undermine the um the obvious mm -hmm. and kind of reveal another path through it and sometimes and i've learned through far in i think it's maybe the most direct i've ever been with a lot of things mm -hmm. and uh and so i was like it, that record was a big lesson and like you know what sometimes it's nice to let loose let loose and don't <laughs> undermine yourself and i think like a song like gemini and leo or like outside the outside were like two that are very much like uh so direct and i was like cool this is amazing this is like great and no, 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 um so in that sense i think that's the difference between subtlety and the restraint i like i think the restraint part isn't um necessarily something that i'm like it's more subconscious mm -hmm. than it is like I'm like oh I need to not do this yeah it's not it's not a thesis for, for your work yeah 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 and it's not like I'm exploding at the seams to make this and I need to like really hold it back it's, it's like oh yeah like I'm not and I'm not one who's like very um, I think there's a lot of people who are very uh, conceptual going into a record in terms of aesthetic decisions mm -hmm. and I'm not like oh I'm gonna make a dance record I'm like whatever happens happens yeah and that's that's I, I enjoy that more than um, than trying to like uh, create these parameters or these like rules because that shit gets I'm not good with authority and so like even like policing myself uh, in some kind of musical or creative like studio sense is like boring as shit. You're surfing. You're surfing whatever you're feeling. Yeah. Um, you mentioned growing up in South Florida and this is something of, of your mythos that I know. Um, again, you are part of this uh, Ecuadorian series because again, I also, as I do these series, I like talking to artists of the diaspora because I think it is impo an important perspective to uh, always feature sort of like the allá y acá aspect of it all. I want to know about growing up in, in Florida and, you know, like your family. Like, I want to know about, like, growing up an Ecuadorian kid, you know, in the States. When you're I'm chewing. <laughs> I will edit. I'm, I'm an okay journalist. I'm a good editor. <laughs> Adam, you're a great journalist. Um, <clears throat> growing up in South... Repeat the last part of the question. I want to know about, you know, being an Ecuadorian kid growing up in Florida. I mean, like, what, you know, what, like, obviously, like, there's the Latino, U.S. Latino bit of it, but also, like, those connections back to the motherland. Yeah. My parents were very, like, defiant. Like, well, at least my dad was, like, defiantly Ecuadorian all the time. You know, he was, like, at the house, was always, like, Ecuadorian homies. Parties every weekend, singing, like, Ecuadorian folk songs. I mean, like dancing, you know, like classic shit. Like everybody eats, everybody drinks, and then everybody dances, and then mm -hmm. then everybody sings. It's kind of like this, like progression of the night, you know. And then like six in the morning or seven in the morning, I would wake up, or eight in the morning, I would wake up, and like cats are still downstairs at that, you know, at that crib, <clears throat> singing or like drinking. And I'm like, God damn, you know, it's like nine in the morning. I'm like, damn, like, y'all need to go home. It's like breakfast time. <laughs> I mean, that's literally us right now, but yes. <laughs> or like, the, you know, the cats used to just like, uh, I'd go downstairs at like 8 in the morning and my dad's like, oh, let, uh, you know, so-and-so go sleep in your bed now. I'm like, what? Whoa, <laughs> <Yeah>. nice. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely a lot of crazy stories I could talk about, but um, there was that. And um, I mean, that guy was like the bartender, you know? Uh, nice. But, uh, Latin America. Yeah, but um, <laughs> but, um but yeah, then there was like a lot of functions and in terms of like my family is a part of like all these like Ecuadorian like uh, Ecuadorians that, you know on the outside federation associations where we would go and like have these like parties with just Ecuadorians and stuff like that. So it was like always like, amongst these communities where there was like parties everywhere just for Ecuadorians in Miami. My you know my parents were so attached to it, and I I always went. Ecuador from the age of like eight until I think like 17 like two months in, in the summer and then like a month or two and in, in, during Christmas time so there was like for me I was like constantly like connected to it in the sense of like experience it was yeah. like uh, my first time there I was like wow 
I was like eight years old and, and it was like so strange to me to see just the, it was just a, such a strange experience you know and then like I constantly went back and like had all these newer experiences that like completely informed the life that I was having there you know I, I your family's from where from Guayaquil mm. yeah also tropical yeah town. exactly so it was like coastal my my, my grandmother um my mom grew up in another city called La Libertad, okay. and so my grandmother lived in Salinas. Okay. Salinas is like the beach town mm -hmm. that every, you know, it's like tourists, but like Ecuadorian tourists go to Salinas, you know? So that was like our vibe, you know, we went summertime, but not really summertime, but... Uh, I mean, it's always summer there, but yeah. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> so it was just great. And then as a kid, there was like all the... I'm gonna, I'm really like kind of like going all over the place with this story, but uh, I was just remembering this yesterday actually. Uh, I was telling someone this uh, a different story, but um, it's so weird. I feel like in Latin America, like families and parents, uh, immigrant families or, or parents, and I'm sure this kind of like is like a little bit more of like a broader immigrant kind of like uh, commonality, but um, I remember going to this party this one time. <clears throat> well, to contextualize it, I feel like I always had to dress up. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, whatever, like, Ecuadorian parties we would go to, like, we always had to dress, dress shirts and, like, slacks and, like, mm -hmm. and, like, shoes, you know? There was, like, no way you could do anything but that. And my dad would, like, forcibly make me dance with everybody's daughters, you know? And, uh, it was, content. it was just, like, it was just, like, a constant, you were just, I think from, like, ages of, of, like, whatever, like, the moment you could walk and put, like, a little tiny suit on until you were, like, maybe, like, you know, like prepubescent or like on the on the border of like puberty, really uh, destroying your life. Uh, you were like constantly shamed by your parents in like these like social situations. <laughs> Relatable content. Yeah. Um, but I remember. Uh, I think as I was like uh, at one point, I think maybe I was like just getting into high school or something, and like my, having these like arguments with my mom and my dad, and then like we're going somewhere. I was like, well, I'm wearing jeans, you know, like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I went to some party, you know, Ecuadorian friends, and, and it's a classic thing. And this kid that I knew growing up, he's, you know, he saw me pull up to the party. He's like, "Yo, they let you wear jeans?" <laughs> wow. I am in the process of moving back to Dominican Republic uh, later this year, and I, I think about those things of like, you know, when you have lived in New York or Mexico City, you know, these big world-class cities and then you you know Santo Domingo is a dope city and I'm not even gonna be living here I'm gonna be living in Santiago but it's just like that it, that thought of like it is a smaller society and it's just like things like that like something as simple as like no you can't wear jeans I get it because that's very much the case here like there's certain scenarios in which you would never like yeah. you just don't you know there's there's a there's a dress code for your everyday life so yeah it, it's just that is a, a stark uh, contrast. We got to get into some of this music yeah. uh, because, you know, you got to go to the airport soon. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about País Nublado, which is a song that we open the show uh, with. If I'm not mistaken, that's off. This is how you smile. Correct. Uh, tell us a little bit about this song and this record, I guess, briefly, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think the song was made. It was really interesting. It was kind of I put out a song called Come Be Me before that as a single between two records. And I was, and before, while I was making Come Be Me, I was working on two songs. I was working on Come Be Me and I was working on Pais Nublado. And I was like, do I put out this song as a single or do I put out Pais Nublado? And I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to put out Pais Nublado. And this is the record. This is a song I'm, I just, I want to do this because I feel like as I was sketching out Pais Nublado, I was like, I want the next record to sound like this, to feel like this. And that was kind of um that was like the um the palette that i was pulling from when i was making uh, this is how you smile so by Sumbla, was like really like an aesthetic sense i was like okay this is like the world i want to inhabit with this with this album in some respects or at least reference it and um the song itself was like very like there's a lot of things that I like to keep cryptic. A lot of things I don't like to share. But then there's, but what I've what I've really enjoyed over the years of playing it live is like, and interacting with people. There's like a, um, I think it's the beauty of like any kind of art, writing or music or movies. I mean, maybe writing is a little bit more 
you know, it speaks for itself in a lot of respects, but there's still like all this like interpretation between the line stuff. And I think Paisumblado has kind of served me in that respect to, to be like a lesson with people and music and art and interpretation of like how something is like, can be maybe even so far from where you started, you know, yeah. and takes you with, with it. And I think that's the cool thing about Paisumblado where like, I'm I'm kind of constantly learning from it as I play it, and and it's cool to have songs that you can do that, and it's rare. I I find uh, political music in 2023 to be a bit trite, frankly, yeah. and I I think there's so many ways to address these heavier themes than just saying a very obvious, you know, tweet, turn it into a song. And I, that's, I, I do appreciate Pais Novelado, for example, because it, it doesn't necessarily talk about an issue. It's just more of, like, the general heaviness of living in the States. That's why I don't live there anymore. I just, I, I remember when this record was coming out, that's when I was in the process of leaving, you know, because I was just like, I just can't be here anymore. Mm -hmm. So I understand mm -hmm. the sort of, because I, I, it was very like, you know, anthem for the Trump era, bippity boppity boop. And I'm like, I feel like that's really reductionist, you know? Absolutely. So, but yeah, it just captured that sort of uneasiness that we all have and then sort of like the need for like a deep breath. And you know what? And that's a great point. I think for me, there's moments where like I've, I've seen that interpretation and feel that. Mm. But then a lot of times I kind of like can root it to this like very simple act of like domesticity like mm -hmm. I'm like it's really kind of sometimes just about me and my partner just yeah. like mm -hmm. not even about trying to talk about like any of these other people like really just like Ooh. it's just us and that for me is like really um, strong because it's sometimes it's all that really kind of like keeps you together it's just like knowing that you have this like this partnership with someone so a lot of that I think about where I'm like dope like I kind of don't need to worry about this shit today you know yeah. <clears throat> um let's make a musical transition you mentioned your partner and I, I you know I'm rearranging the playlist here but we have Gemini and Leo which I believe is uh, is about that you know I guess one of you is a Gemini and the other is a Leo <laughs> um that was uh, I mentioned before we started recording that was my single favorite snippet from Isle of Light was really vibing hard to that song like I shook ass to that song I was like alright we're twerking to a lado negro today I guess um, tell me a bit about this song and this is again uh, from your most uh, latest record Far In yeah Gemini and Leo I started it in New York and it was like I was talk about these things that we were talking about making things trying to make something something in the sense that I was like I'm gonna make this the most like weird like fucking like rhythmically confusing song I was mm -hmm. like really into it and I was like the demo was like very like kind of just like offbeat like kind of was like yeah let me just make it strange and then I went to the studio with my friend Opal Hoyt who goes by Zenizen and so then she started playing keys over it and like I was like dope I was like this is fresh you know I was like I was telling her she's like alright yeah whatever and she started singing she's the bat she's the second vocal on there who sings mm -hmm. with me and then um then the lockdown happened yeah and then um we were my partner and I were in Marfa, Texas, and I wasn't really working on a record. I was just like messing around with songs and stuff. And um, and uh, and I sent the song to my friend Jay. I was like, "Yo, I don't know. I'm working on this thing. There's a beat on it, so just copy the beat if you want, or like we can kind of like mess with it, interpret it." <clears throat> he sends me the drums back, and I took the drums and I put them, I put them in there, but I accidentally put them in the wrong place. Okay. And then I was like, "Damn." <laughs> I was like, actually, this is what the shit feels like, and which is that song, which is what we hear now in, in the song, the drum beat. And then I was like, okay. And I sent, then I sent the song to my friend Jen Wassner, and she plays bass on it, and she like, she just fucked that shit up. Yeah. I was just like, damn, Jen, okay. <laughs> Be before we play it again, because we, we'll talk a bit more about Foreign in the next section, but. Um, I feel like the groove is such an important part of this album. Uh, again, like those, the drums are almost jazzy. Mm -hmm. uh, the bass lines are really funky. Um, again, we were talking before about sort of like the restraint versus sort of like what feels natural, no? Um, it, it, was there a sort of like, you know, you're like, oh, I like this, and then like let's extrapolate on that? Or like was, it, was there a search for groove on Foreign? 
Yeah, you, I think after I did, I think it was like Gemini and Leo, and then I wrote um, Aguas Frias. Mm -hmm. It's another song that I love. I really love playing that song live. Um, and then Agosto, I wrote, which mm -hmm. like Busca Buya, we sang last night for the first time together. Oh no, wow. Yeah. That's the that's the one song I actually recorded. I was like I I was like I don't want to record anything. I want to be present. But that's the one I recorded. Go to Instagram, you'll see the reel. <laughs> yeah, we um that was the first time we played it, and so that was like another really cool thing. We um we uh, uh um yeah, it was just so special that song, and and so then uh, things were starting to reveal themselves mm -hmm. after Gemini and Leo, where I was like, oh shit, like this shit has like this album has a vibe. Mm -hmm. And kind of going back to this reference point, I do this a lot. Going back to this moment of like Come Be Me with País Nublado. I knew when I made Come Be Me, I was like, I want a record like this. Mm -hmm. I want to make an album like this. Just right now is not the moment. País Nublado is going to inform this is how you smile. And I always thought about Come Be Me. Mm -hmm. It's like this reference point that I had to come back to. And that was like the reference point I came back to for Far In. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I was like, kind of just like anchoring myself. And then all these songs started just kind of revealing themselves throughout the process of making like Gemini and Leo and then Agosto and that's how it works yeah that's so wonderful I think uh, this is enough of an intro we gotta play the banger uh, so again this is Gemini and Leo by Elado Negro uh, and we'll be right back with more Elado Negro
Song Mess. Un show de música emergente latinoamericana donde mezclamos entrevistas con los sonidos más frescos del underground. Su anfitrión, Richard Villegas, es un periodista musical contribuyendo a publicaciones como Remezcla, Rolling Stone y Bandcamp. Y con Song Mess, las conversaciones toman un giro más casual y personal, revelando el mundo interior de cada invitado. Song Mess está disponible en todas las plataformas digitales. Escúchalo martes 9 pm y jueves 9 am por Nova Hits Radio. Song Mess.
In that section, we also listened to two more songs. I asked you for a deep cut, you know, like what's like a like a song that 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 you're really proud of that maybe isn't like at the forefront. And you were like, "Ooh, relatives and queriendo are like some like deep faves." Tell me about these songs. Yeah, I don't know. I, when I made um, "Invisible Life," there was a moment for me, a pivotal moment. Um, relatives, I like to point out because up until that moment, I had only sang in Spanish on on all my records. Mm -hmm. And then when I made um, Invisible Life, I was working on it, working on it. And then I sent the song to a friend. And my friend John Philpot, who's in a band called Bear in Heaven. And it's really funny. Because um, I was like, yo, I kind of want you to sing on this. And I was kind of expecting him to sing uh, these parts that I had in Spanish. I was like, yeah, I love your voice, but I want you to you know, sing in Spanish. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's this white dude. But um, I just, just fucking love his voice, yeah. you know? And, uh, and he had sang on my first record and, um, and then he sent me the song back and he had sang in English and I was like kind of like my world shattered I was like like I felt like my identity had been like uh, you know just like just confused at that mm -hmm. in that moment where I was like oh shit like um, damn I guess I can sing in English yeah you know and it was really good. It was it was great in a lot of different senses, but I remember that being really helpful and kind of like freeing me more. I'm being like, great. I'm not like attached to this like one identity. I'm like I'm more yeah. everything. What I am, I know what I am. And but it was also attached to this interview I had one time when I was promoting the second record in Mexico, and I was on a radio station. And one of the guys who was our handler. Yeah, he was in a band. I, I don't remember what the band was called, but um, they kind of like pulled. He was only just there as a handler, but they kind of pulled him in on the interview mm -hmm. to kind of chime in on a question about like why is it that so many Mexican bands sing in English, mm -hmm. and then 
and I, I, I like the question, but I thought the way they, they asked it was very like, check it out, see. I felt like the way they asked the question was like antagonistic in a way where it was like, um, accusatory almost. Accusatory, but also kind of like underhanded and, and kind of putting someone in a situation where it was like they had to answer, mm -hmm. and it was it was a little unfair, and I kind of hated that. Even though it wasn't, I wasn't trying to defend them, but I was like, yo, as a journalist, I think that's kind of like whack. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, that's a little like they weren't there. I was the one being interviewed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was like a little like funny. But um, I, I think this conversation, I had this exact conversation, and really excellent. And by the way, go back and listen to it, dear listeners, with Senia Ruinos. Um, because again, we've had this conversation, I think, for a long time, especially in the States, of like, you're Latino, there's this dual identity, this English and language, this English and Spanish language thing. And sometimes you don't want to get pigeonholed. And sometimes, like, there is sort of even a commercialization of your own identity of like, okay, well, I guess this is the circuit that I'm in. And now I'm pigeonholed and I can't step out of it. And she, she really went into it at length of, like, navigating this whole, you know, like, I'm extremely proud of who I am, but I also don't want to be pigeonholed into it. Is that something that you have navigated as well? Yeah, so kind of, like, wrapping up. This, this idea was like so then when I did Invisible Life I thought about that moment I was like you know what fuck it I'm gonna sing in English I'm gonna sing in Spanish and then people are gonna ask me the things that they're gonna ask me and this is me this is like actually me this is me beyond wanting to be attached to any scene and maybe it'll take a lot longer you know and that's actually the conversation I think the thread between my friends like Senia mm -hmm. and Raquel and Luis from Buscabulla is that that we've had these conversations dozens of times together yeah, like when we hang out like this is the shit we talk about like behind the scenes if people want to know like this is like i mean we hang out but we we talk about this shit like because it's like we we um well we know where we're at with these things but we we know that we make different music but there's this common thread of like us living and existing in this like specific world and unified in this like identity of like this is how we grew up and we can share this without it being so uh, specific. And it's gonna be strange for people. It's hard for people to like know. Uh, I think a lot of people don't know where to place this a lot of times. And I love that, you yeah. know? And I love that we have that, we have a community within ourselves, with each other, I mean, and I guess within ourselves. <laughs> but also, but um, yeah. I, I don't try to not get pigeonholed, but I don't. I don't think I do anything that gets me there. You know, yeah. I think I think I'm like pretty good at just making it hard for myself. At some point, it's also wise to just not engage with that. It's just like I'm just doing. Yeah. Take it or leave it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I there. I have like two more questions because you know time is bearing down keep, on us. Keep going because I see my. So they just told me they they're, they're in the shower right now. Oh, <clears throat> okay. We woo, walking on sunshine here. There is one question I just cannot leave behind. So my boyfriend is an extremely huge fan of Aqua Team Hunger Force. Oh, man. And I know that, uh, I don't know exactly your role within that, but I know that you were at some point involved with it. I would like to know about your relationship to Aqua Team Hunger Force on uh, Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. Um unrelated to anything but I was just like I need to ask this question I will get shouted at if I don't yeah I'll, I'll share so when I um when I got out of college I went to school for animation oh. but I had been making um uh I'd been making music for a long time since I was like in high school on computers and making like dance music and like jungle and like you know breaks and beats and, like that was like my shit and uh and so then, uh, you know, then I went to college and got more into like abstract and kind of like more artier stuff. And then, um, uh, and then I had to get a job. And I had a, I had an animation job. So I went to an interview, and they said they're like, oh, they, oh, so you do sound too? I was like, yeah. I think my animation reel sucked. <laughs> but ultimately, in a week, they called me back. They're like, hey, can you record? We have like, it's this animation house, and they specifically did all the Aqua Teen stuff since day one. You know, it's, but they were always a separate animation house. So I got hired by them to do sound. And so then I would record a lot of the voices for Aqua Team, like the talent. Like, Amazing. I'd not, I would record like Meatwad and and uh, um, and what's his name? Wait, uh, were you Meatwad? No. Oh, no. I'm like, whoa. 
Meet Wad was the student that um, okay. one of the creators, and then uh, you know I'd record all those guys, like all the talent and a lot of the voices. I was actually a voice on Aqua Teen one time. I was like like some like booger monster or something at one point, <laughs> and um, uh, and a lot of other TV shows like Squidbillies, and I'd record all these different voices in there, and. Um, there was an interesting story, I was gonna, but anyways, yeah. So I would do a lot of that stuff for Aqua Teen and do a lot of long format stuff, and that was fun because it gave me this like strange experience of mm-hmm. like doing long format television, but in like the most like fucked up scenario, or it's just like <laughs> it's purely comedy. Like the, the the way it was exciting to see how these guys um, developed it. It was so um, energetic and a lot of times like spontaneous in terms of like the script and the talent delivering just a performance so sometimes they're just like feeding each other like yeah do that now say this you know it would be like this like that and i was like whoa i was like what i was like you're not reading the script i was like it was so exciting to see how they were doing that well i mean acting and singing are not that far off i mean you're performing you you're emoting so i mean it's i think i feel like the one informs the other like you can you can draw what you need from from those experiences absolutely yeah um i I wanted to share something there was like Oh, I think I'm like blowing up my my own spot. I'm excited <laughs> to blow up my own spot about it. Through that whole experience, you know, I'm meeting all these people, and, and it's fun. There was like a lot of, a lot of famous jobs or whatever, like with famous folks. And but then there's this one studio who does um, that TV show Archer. Oh, of course. They had something before that, and that was called uh, Frisky Dingo. And it was a, it was kind of like if you watch Frisky Dingo, you're like, oh shit, this is Archer. Yeah. Okay. And um, and I remember they hit me up one day. They're like, yo, we want you to be in, we want you to be a character in Frisky Dingo. And I was like, dope. They're like, yeah, come by the studio and we'll take photos and we'll make you a character. But they didn't tell me what the character was, and I saw, <laughs> you know, I signed over. I'm like, yeah, sure, yeah, you can have my identity. <laughs> I was like mad young, you know. Yeah, I was things, like things one does for success, allegedly. And the shit comes out, and I'm like a um, a gay larper, like like hobbit, and I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like on my bed, like on the phone with somebody. <laughs> that needs to be like your new social media avatar, please. That is. So- <laughs> I have like some kind of like fuzzy hands and fuzzy feet or some shit. It's. It's hilarious. And I, I was live. like, these motherfuckers, man. Now I gotta now I gotta go find it. Oh my god. That that needs to be the cover of this episode. Um I I wanna uh, shifting into something maybe more serious. Uh touring. You're constantly on tour. Uh, you are actually kind of an, an artist that gets cited a lot as sort of like the kind of like the maybe not the pros and cons, but the conflicted or, or complicated existence of touring of like if you're not touring you're not eating but also life has gotten really tough I mean we just went through an apocalypse you're seeing like really big names like Animal Collective can't afford to go on tour huh and I, I'd like to sort of hone in on that as like again you recently like your guitar was lost for like several months in London thankfully you were able to get it back but it's just like I, I remember like uh, your van once got broken into and like all your merch was taken I want to try to get into sort of the heart of touring and not just like the, the glamour of like yeah it's three dudes in a van and like we're just making it work just like the realities of, of not, the glamour of three dudes in the van is not the glamour I guess it isn't the glamour <laughs> you, 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 you know you watch Almost Famous one time and then you're like yeah <laughs> but like just getting to the meat up and the potatoes of it is just like I, I don't know, just the reflection on touring in 2023. What does that mean? I I don't know. In 2023, I don't know. Um, every year it's gotten better in some respects and gotten a little uh, stranger. More so that I'm just getting older. Yeah. I think I started... Not that I think. I know I started touring in 2004. Like, the first big festival and shows I was doing was in... Um, I remember the first, first big festival I ever did was Sonar. Whoa, okay. In 2004. Under a different project I had. It's more like abstract, experimental thing. But um, it, up until now, there's been so many experiences where it's just like I was on the road by myself a lot. Where I used to have these dancers in these like tinsel suits dance mm-hmm. with me. 
I would get volunteers every night to be in them. It was just like so stressful. I often regret not having done it. You, you were asking for volunteers when you played Rio Fest in Chicago. Oh, shit. And I was gonna, and I was just like, oh, that feels uncomfortable and hot. But I was like, <laughs> I desperately wish I'd done it. God. I wish you would have too. <laughs> um, you know, that actually that one I remember because um, Scotty McNeese did it. Uh, the guy who owns, uh, I think one of the people who owns... Uh, International anthem that okay. jazz label in, in uh in sh out of Chicago, um, but uh, so many funny people have done it. You have no idea. Oh, I believe so many great people have done it. They're like, fucking nobody's gonna know I'm here. Vidoa's uh, around here. Vidoa did yeah, it. I he know did he did it. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think touring. I'm in. I'm in a different point in my life. I heard something really. I think this is the best way to describe it. I heard something recently. A friend of mine who manages like some young bands that are popping off right now they're like 24 25 and they're like um it's kind of fun it's kind of interesting to hear kids be so self-aware now which is great mm. i say kids i don't know maybe not everybody's so self-aware but they are and the way they said this to their manager was like look like we're doing really well right now we know we maybe have like a good five years of like sleeping Damn. on of sleeping on floors and like doing this and then so we just want to do it like put us in every city we can be in. Okay. And I was like, damn, that's amazing. Really? Like, because at this point in my life, it's like that's the last thing mm. I want to do. I remember when I transitioned from like looking for like houses to sleep at to hotels, and I was like, damn, I really fucked up for years. Like I should have been like <laughs> staying at hotels, and like it's you know it's obviously like yeah, you know, I turned forty three this year, and I'm like thinking about what I want out of the out of these moments. And Raquel and I were talking about this a lot. They've had very special experiences in the past like, couple of years in terms of um, performance. Of course. And... Shout out Benito. Yeah. <laughs> and we're, we were talking about, reflecting on that together about um, uh, taking in these moments. Like figuring out how to stop and be like, cool, I don't know when I'll be here. I don't know when I'll be back to Dominican Republic. But I was like, right. yesterday there was like a moment at the beginning of the set, like, there was like a technical thing that happened and then like I, I was just kind of gonna be like oh fuck it I'll just keep going and then I was like you know what let's stop the set and I you just have to take a moment and be like you know what I don't want this I want this to be exactly the way I want it to be and I want to experience and I want I want to feel everybody so there's no illusion here there's no um everybody's in on the um illusion of like we know what performance is so it's like I have to stop it and then like let's restart it together and let's start from the beginning together and I think that's where I'm at with performance and touring now. It's just like making sure it's all about satisfying uh, myself and, and my growth and enjoying it as I'm like getting older. I'm not like trying to do like 250 shows at this point. And I don't I even, that's right, yeah. and I don't even know if that's like, not that I don't know it's possible, but I, I know it's possible to do that, but I don't know if it's like worth it. You know, yeah. I know what it's worth doing now. And I, I want to do the things that are like, really exciting One, the only thing I'm like into at this point is like uh, trying to play places I've never been before and you were, seemed pretty excited to play Santo Domingo like it was amazing yeah the vibe last night was unmatched I yeah I couldn't believe it last night and and you know what I was commenting this to like everybody like our sound person Jade and like everybody um, I was like it's so dope to be at a festival and just I was like this is like everybody here just seems like Dominican yeah and I was like it's rare to go to a festival where it's just like mm, true Dominican folks yeah. I mean <laughs> well I'm not mean just like <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I guess you've never been to the heights but all right no I, I t that it's all local so yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I'm messing around um uh it was just it was nice and so I think that experience is is rare yeah to have it be like that where it's like everything becomes this like you play a festival and it's just like so ultra like saturated with this like destination tourist mm -hmm. vibe mm -hmm. and you're like damn y'all like this is fun but like the hats and like you know like I don't know there's, there's too much there are red flags along the way <laughs> I think time has been extremely generous with us so I'm gonna start cutting my losses I have one final question mm, okay. before we gotta go um foreign I think at this point is what like a year and a half old yeah. I, I've heard rumors that new things are brewing. 
I can't imagine you can say much. But what can you say can about say the future of Elado Negro? I just finished a new record. Okay. Yeah. God damn. <laughs> this is dropping in like two weeks, so I'm like, I got the exclusive. Y'all can suck it. <laughs> Hung over as hell, but worth it. Um, okay, tell us about the new record. Well, again, what can you say? It's done. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very good. Yes. Uh, it, it was exciting to make, and I'm really happy. And I think the best thing I can say at this point was like... Um, I just spent a lot of time by myself working on it. And the strangest thing about it is... Um, it was the first time in a long time that I did a record like this in the sense that... It kind of reminded me of how I made This Is How You Smile. But it wasn't as, like, intensely raw. I felt like when I made This Is How You Smile, it was, like, very isolating. When I was making this, I could emulate the isolation but I was like I knew I could just open the door and I was like hanging out mm. with my best friend my partner so it was like cool yeah. and that I think is a unique difference about it and I don't know I don't know if it necessarily reflects on that so much as Far In does I think Far In maybe reflects on that way more partnerships and, and things like that and, and different types of relationships and then this in a sense has that um, but this kind of fucks around with a lot of other things that I could tell you in a, in a different scenario absolutely dear listeners you do the work then you get the off mic tea um, <laughs> um, I uh, you know I just really want to say thank you for finding the time I know that this was I, 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 I when I was setting this up I was like I will do it wherever whenever as long as it's not at the festival I don't want to feel rushed I want to have like a nice moment I've been meaning to talk to you forever so I'm, I'm thrilled that we finally got this done uh, I am still lobbying for the eventual Elado Negro OnlyFans called Private's Energy <laughs> but that will eventually happen I would like it if you could tell our listeners where they can follow you on social media listen to your music buy your merch I imagine that band camp is stacked let us know yeah just go to all those things <laughs> I don't know I'm bad at this uh, <laughs> hey, look, this is part of work you know support, just support song mess more than you can support me hey. Richard's doing the work <laughs> I do appreciate that. And again, dear listeners, at Song Mess everywhere, at Elado Negro everywhere, blah, blah, blah. We got one more song. Uh, it's called Outside the Outside. It's just like, we're just like, you know, just fucking play the hits. Yeah. Um, tell us about the song. Again, the, Again, this, this was one of the moments that I was waiting for last night. Again, this was sort of the upswing. There was sort of that heavier, ballady, slower moment. And then like, you were like, tempo, boom. Uh, tell us about this song. Again, a fucking banger, Outside the Outside. I think I, I think the best way to think about the song is if you're listening to this podcast go watch the music video and the music video is um, all this footage it's footage from like one party at my house at, one, at some point that my parents had wow. and, and the vibe is just like my family, my friends just like jamming and that's what that song is really like I think conceptually is about but just like that feeling of like all these folks who are like a mix of people who are from different places hanging out with each other and like just vibing to something and I, and I think I you know I can go into all these like conceptual moments but there's nothing about there's nothing like um just letting loose with your friends and like enjoying your time and I think that's that's the feeling that I wanted to convey more than anything yeah I am thrilled that we had this conversation. Dear listeners, again, my uh, guest is Roberto Carlos Lang. Lang or Lange? Lange. Lange. Okay, I think everybody says Lang. I know. Okay, Lange, um, <laughs> aka Elado Negro. We are uh, wrecked after a full festival day, but thrilled and grateful. We got up so fucking early. But we did it. We fucking did it, Joe. Um, <laughs> um, so this song is outside the outside from the album Far In. New, new shit coming very soon. Again, my guest is Elano Negro. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you all next time. Ciao!
Thank you. 